Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy the second part of Kingdom, a new sermon series by Pastor Greg Seamus. guys. We're in a message series called Kingdom. Don't you love that graphic? I love bold. I love bold. I love boldness. And um, last week, let me just kind of jump into this thing. So we, I took care of the Philippines, right? I took care of Johnny and Lou next week. Took care of that. I took care of the gift is next week. I took care of that. So we're all good, right? You ready to jump in the word? All right, good. All right. I'm ready to jump in the word too. Last week we talked about, uh, we started our introduction on the kingdom. Now, I, I did tell you about 10 years ago, we did, we did two years on the kingdom. Now, for those of you who've been around for that long, or 13 years ago, wherever long, Wendy will correct me later, but right around 10 years ago, if I say right around, good. Uh, then, and so we took about two years, talked about the kingdom, off and on, off and on, off and on. So... So we're only going to do two weeks on the kingdom, and we always like to, and it's good for me to be refreshed with the kingdom, and um, last week we talked about Jesus and the kingdom, and we just went through a bunch of scriptures on the ministry of Jesus and that he brought a kingdom with him. So again, Isaiah chapter 9 talks about the government will be on his shoulders, we talked about that he didn't bring a religion, he brought a government. And that's something that I'll just con- continue to reiterate to you, that he didn't want to establish a religious system called maybe, a, let me just be, a church. He actually, I was hesitant on that, but I'll just say it for what it is. He actually brought a government called Ecclesia. And this is what, this is what he's trying to establish, this is what he's trying to communicate and it's real important for us to recognize that we have to jump on his mission. We have to be about what he said we are. We have to move in our relational identity, that is, sons and daughters of the living God, and we have to move in our functional identity, and that is that we actually have to penetrate the gates of Hades with the keys of the kingdom. We have to bind and loose, and we have to set people free from the kingdom of darkness, much like what Jesus did. Right? So we do that with signs and wonders and miracles. We do that with intimacy with God and communing with the Father and only doing what the Father is doing. We have this idea of, of reading Scripture and seeing what Jesus did. But we come into a, there's a, we come into a, a potential conflict or a problem when we try and understand uh, the kingdom of God. We even say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but if we don't understand what a kingdom is, we can go ahead and we can we could release the words in faith and that counts, but we don't really have an understanding of what kingdom is all about because we live in a republic. And so if we're if we're actually so there's not a point of conflict, there's a point of confusion. Because we'll declare what's the What's the will of God? Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's a, that's a common phrase around this house, and that's a common phrase among uh, many, many places over the earth about this idea of the kingdom of God coming and the will of God being done. But what does it look like? Does it look like the United States of America? 
Does it look like countries in India? Does it look like Asia? Like, what does the kingdom look like? Well, I don't know. Heaven. Okay, good. I, someone said something. You guys were laughing. And I missed it. So, um, so, so if we don't understand, if we don't gain revelation on what this kingdom is and how a kingdom functions, then we're going to pray the prayer and it's legal. We're just not going to have a lot of revelation that actually supports it with our lifestyle. We see hints of it when Jesus was on the earth, but Jesus came as a king in a kingdom. The kingdom was the Roman Empire. It was ruled by a king. Remember the story when Pilate said, confronted Jesus, and he asked him, he says, you say you are a king then. Or he makes a declaration, you're, aren't you, you're saying you're a king, and Jesus said something, he says, yes, I am a king. First time he actually admitted it. Because he was toe-to-toe with a kingdom. And so we have to understand, David understood kingdom, because David was a king. When you read the Psalms and he's writing, he's writing as a king relating to a king. So it opens up something. Why is this so important? Because a kingdom is a government. Why is this so important? Because I'm not talking to us. I'll use that word because I'm talking to me too. I'm not sharing this. I'm not talking about the experience the expansion of religious system. We have to think a little, we have to shift our thinking. Jesus calls it to renew our mind. We have to shift our thinking away from westernized governmental living and and understanding what it means when it says a heavenly kingdom. But first we have to understand the principles of a kingdom. Oh, come on now. You see, oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself. You see, in the States, we can pick and choose, not in a kingdom. In the States, oh, I'm going to just jump in my notes. All right. You guys all right? I don't know if I'm all right, but I'm, I'm going to go for it anyway. All right? So the dilemma is we're trying to understand kingdom with a republic mindset. So until we gain clear understanding of what a true kingdom is, we cannot understand what it means. So remember, the writers of the Bible served under monarchs, and kings led kingdoms, and kingdoms were governmental structures. Are you guys okay? So I'm going to lay out to you in rapid-fire form today 18 principles of a kingdom. Everyone say, he can do it. In a, in a good time, in a reasonable time. Pray for the dubs. They play at 1230. All right. Why did I think about that? I have no idea. Maybe it was a word from the Lord just to release it over you guys. Praise God for, remember, remember DVRs? No, VHS. Yeah, I'm old. 
Er. Number one, the kingdom principle of kings. This is kind of a summary, so maybe this doesn't count, but I'm going to lay it out here anyway. This kind of a... The king is the central component of a kingdom and embodies the essence of the kingdom. I like to say before I start, I like to thank Miles, the late Miles Monroe because Miles probably was the best orator and writer on kingdom that I've ever read. And so the Bahamas, which where he was at, was actually colonized by the Europeans. And they just recently, in terms of history, got their own autonomy. And so he's relating back to a little bit and the study of a kingdom. So I just want to acknowledge his authorship. And this was very helpful to me because I had to, I had to connect with people who understood kingdoms because I didn't. Does that make sense? Oh, you guys out there? All right. Let me just go through this list, and then I'm gonna, we're going to kind of hopefully break this down, and we'll, we'll uh, finish up today. A, kingdom, a king is never voted into power. A king's authority is by birthright. A king cannot be voted out of power. A king's word is law in his territory. A king personally owns everything in his domain. A decree of the king is unchanging. Remember when John the Baptist was beheaded? I made that, you guys made that connection, right? So, okay. Um, the king embodies the government of his kingdom. The presence of the king is the presence of his entire kingdom authority. The king measures his wealth by the wealth of his property. And the home of the king expresses his nature. Matthew 18, 23, let me just go ahead. You can jot some of these, these scriptures down. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. Matthew 21, 5, see your king comes to you. Matthew 22, 2, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. Again, he's talking about a parable, a parable there. John 18, 37, you are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. So Jesus is king over his kingdom, which is invisible. It's not invisible in heaven, but it's invisible on earth. And it's actually displayed through believers. Now, it says in 1 Timothy 1.17, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. The point is now to the king eternal. So, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And then Revelation 17, 14, they will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and he's king of kings. Principle number two. We call this the kingdom lordship principle. All true kings must have property or a domain over which they exercise rulership and dominion. Therefore, all true kings are personally legal owners of property, territory of their domain. Another word for owner is lord. All true kings are automatically lords. That's why he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Lord of lords. 
Kings rule or command whatever is in their property or domain. Kings have absolute authority and control over their property. The king's wealth is measured by the wealth of their property. Kings can give their property to anyone that they wish to. Psalm 24, verses 1 through 3. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Psalm 27, 47, 2. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great king over all the earth. And then the one that we all know fairly well, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Lord means owner. That means when you confess Jesus is Lord, you're recognizing his ownership in your life. In other words, your temple is now his domain. You see, the domain of God is more than just land. It's the temple. It's where he dwells. Now, some of this might come across a little legal, but it's important for us to know. I want us to always recognize that we're, this is even greater revelation, that, he, that we are actually sons and daughters, join heirs with Jesus, a royal family that are actually participating in his kingdom. So when he, is, when he is king of kings and lord of lords, that means he's the absolute ruler of our life. We've surrendered our, the domain. He now, he now occupies this body, our spirit. Number th- whatever the number is. I think it's three. The kingdom domain principle. The domain of a king is the territory over which he exercises authority, control, and dominion. The king owns his domain and can expand it, expand or extend it by the power of his might. The wealth of the domain determines on the, is determined, determines the king's glory. The wealth of the domain determines the king's glory. When the king impacts the domain with his influence, it is called a kingdom or king's domain. That's what it means. So when we say Jesus is king over his kingdom, it's his domain. It's his territory. The king can delegate authority to others to share in the governing and administration of his domain. It says in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar is making, declaring praise to God, and he says, His dominion is an eternal dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Number four. Say amen. Am I on four? I told you I'm moving fast. The kingdom constitution principle. The constitution of the kingdom is the documented will, intent, desires and purposes of the king for his citizens and the kingdom. 
Ecclesiastes 8, 4, and 5, since a king's word is supreme, what are, uh, who can say to him, what are you doing? Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm. Psalm 119, verse 16, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Psalm 119, 89 through 93, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Number five, the kingdom law principle. The law of the kingdom is the proclaimed word, decrees, and edicts of the king, and these laws determine the standards and precepts by which the kingdom is to be governed. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 25, he says that we are to obey all that he has commanded us. Psalm, 19, Psalm 19, 7 and 8 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The, the statutes of the law are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Psalm 119, 72, the law, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Matthew 5.18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not one of the smallest letter, not even the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything has been accomplished. What's the point? The point is that we have a king who has a domain. You cannot, if you do not have a domain, you cannot have a kingdom. A king without domain renders the title useless. So Jesus rules the heavens. Jesus is impacting, partnering with mankind to bring the kingdom to earth. The constitution of the kingdom is what you have in your hand. It's the word of God. It's the laws of the kingdom. When you have the laws of the kingdom, these are not optional. So what we, we do in America is we, pick, we tend to pick and choose what law we want to abide by and what laws we don't. Now, if you're confused about when I say law, let's just talk about the principles of the word. That might be a better way of saying it. The commands of scriptures, the, the moral code of scripture. So you have a heavenly father who has a royal family who's permeating love and he gives us a constitution that's not strict and stringent. It's actually given to us so that we can actually come into a place of abundance and fulfillment. Because not only is it his kingdom, he actually created us. He's creator. So he's, he's wired into us, when we got saved especially, he's wired into mankind this drawing to fulfill his purposes, and his purposes are found in his constitution, which is the word of God. Until we get that revelation, then what happens is that we try and, we try and say, 
I like that, but I don't like that. So I won't do that. But that, that tends to come out of a more of a, uh, maybe let's say a republic mentality and not a kingdom mentality. So first of all, we have to recognize the word of God is good. First of all, we have to recognize, let's go up even higher, that God is good. And if we recognize that God is good, then we also recognize his kingdom is good. And if we recognize his kingdom is good, we have to recognize that his laws are good. And that the word of God is good. And he's actually been so purposeful, he's actually given us the word of God as a code of living so that we can come into a place of fulfillment in his kingdom to be all that he has created us to be as sons and daughters. So why do we look at the word of God as something that, why does the world, well, I understand why the world does that, but even in the church, capital C, we'll use that word, why is in the church we feel like the word of God boxes us in? The word of God gives us liberty and fulfillment as we step into his promises. Oh, you guys out there. But I w- I'm going to move along. Can we say amen to that? <laughs> Number the next one, six. The kingdom keys principle. The keys of the kingdom are the principles, precepts, laws, and systems by which the kingdom functions. The keys must be learned and applied by the citizens in order to appropriate the benefits and privileges of the kingdom. And we've been hitting this pretty hard over the last year, Matthew 16, 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So there's kingdom keys. And who got the kingdom keys? So, well, that's, that's something that Jesus did in between his death and his resurrection. He goes through the gates of Hades. He, he makes a spectacle of principalities and powers he takes the keys, which is the authority that we lost in the garden, and he brings those keys with him, and now we, his sons and daughters, have access to these keys. They're kingdom keys. They are given to us to lock and unlock. They're given to us to actually fulfill the fullness of the king himself and the call of God that's on our life. The next one, the kingdom citizen principle. Citizenship principle. Citizenship in a kingdom is not a right. It's a privilege. And it's the pleasure of a king himself. Citizens are chosen by the king and are beneficiaries of the king's pleasure and his promises. In America, if you're born here, you're a citizen. In the kingdom, you're chosen. That's why he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So when we're chosen to become citizens, that actually affords us and brings us into the king's pleasure and his promises. Philippians chapter 3 says, but 
our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So we are citizens of heaven. Can we say amen? Amen. And he's chosen us to become citizens in his kingdom. So say, I just say I receive the promises of God and I receive the pleasure of God. The next one. I think it's eight. The kingdom royal privilege principle. Royal privileges of the kingdom are the benefits the king affords to his citizens. They serve as security for being in good standing with the king. But seek first his kingdom, Matthew 6, 33, and his righteousness and all things will be given to you as well. Everybody say all. All. So when we seek first his kingdom, when we understand kingdom as not only sons and daughters, but now as chosen citizens, and we stand before him, then anxiety becomes illegal. Stress becomes illegal. That's why he says later on in that chapter, you ever try to figure that out? Why are you so filled with anxiety? And I would say, because I'm trying to do life. But if I understood kingdom, then in the revelation of the kingdom, And if I seek the kingdom first, Jesus being king of his kingdom, then all things, because I'm a citizen, not only that, I'm a son and daughter, and I'm a citizen, it's the promises that all things will be given to you as well. What does that mean? That means that the kingdom is given to me, and everything else that I need is going to be supplied by the king, because that's how kingdoms work. In fact, the glory of a king is how its citizens are living. I mean, think about this. The Queen of Sheba is going to see Solomon. She can't even make it to Solomon because she's floored by how the servants are looking, by how how the buildings are formed, the structure. She said, even half the things I heard, that's not even enough. What what are we saying? When she walked in and she just saw the elements and the components of the kingdom, it reflected the glory of the king. Listen, how we live is vital in the world's perception of God's glory. He wants to supply your every need Not only because he's a good father, but he's a king. Oh. Number nine. I must move on. 
Listen to this. I got to go back to Philippians 4.19, right? And my God, who's king, will meet all your needs according to what? His riches in glory. His riches. I want you to connect that to a king over a kingdom. In other words, he owns it all. So the, the thing we struggle with is, okay, I see it. Where's the application? Right? All right. Number nine. The, co- the kingdom code of ethics principle. This is the standard of conduct established by the king for the behavior and the social relationships of its citizens. This is the expectation of a king regarding the values and the moral standards the citizens must adhere to. The code of ethics becomes the foundation of the kingdom culture and manifests itself in the lifestyle of the citizens. So if we don't If we don't embrace the word of God as the absolute truth that governs my life, and if there's mixture, we begin to short circuit. And we begin to step away from royal favor. Are you guys all right? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, ethics. Do you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulteresses, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is, this is what, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. As bad as we were, what we are now based on the the atoning work of Jesus as king, oh, Jesus as king went to the cross. I mean, that's crazy revelational thought. The next one, number 10, I love this one. You guys doing okay? Today's different. Today's a little different, all right? You guys just riding with me okay? Because I'm just just laying out some foundational stuff, hopefully. You can study it for yourself. I'm all about it. Love you guys to study it for yourself. The kingdom commonwealth principle. All kingdoms function on the principles of commonwealth. Commonwealth wealth is the king's commitment to see that all his citizens have access to the wealth and resources of the kingdom. This is important to the king because the quality of life of the citizens of the kingdom reflects the glory and the reputation of the king. The quality of life, i got to find it and read it again, of the citizens of a kingdom 
reflects the glory and the reputation of the king. Doesn't that take you back to the Psalms? Where David would say, for the sake of your name. What's he doing? He's talking king to king. And of course, David's a human king and very finite. The quality of life of the citizens of the kingdom reflects the glory and reputation of the king. When the welfare of the king's citizens is excellent, then the king's reputation among other kings is honorable. Kingdoms provide for all the needs of their citizens and the king is personally committed to and involved in the welfare of its citizens. Now I'm talking about a good king. So it says, so don't worry, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? I mean, if you ever, I just did some research, you know, I, I don't study Maslow. I think it's, maybe that's his last name, first name, I don't know, some philosopher, famous philosopher. He had like the pecking order of man's survival, the things that man will, they need desperately. And Jesus just goes right for the juggler. He says, so don't worry about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. And then he makes this, for the pagans, run after these things. Dude, seriously. Here's what he says. And your heavenly Father, who is Lord of all, knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness is just as, that's important. It's right living. Right living keeps you under covering of favor. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Wow. I read recently, worship is to the Lord like anxiety is, I think they use the word mammon. Because you can't serve two masters. And mammon is, is the villain. So if we, under, if we had a greater revelation of kingdom, then I believe that'll decrease our worry. And we're still trying to figure it out. But if we figure it out, we're trying to figure it out with a USA governmental structure in our head and not understanding that when the Lord blesses you, it reflects on him as king. Thank you. 
as long as, you can, as long as we can manage the blessing. Because he's also father. Father's not going to give something to his kids if they're, not, if they're not mature enough to handle it because it'll destroy them. And I know the Lord's laughed at me because I've said, Lord, I want, I want. He's like, son, you ain't ready for that. Because even if I gave it to you, it would be an unloving act because it would destroy you. See, there's always a process in promotion. We want the promise and we want the promotion without the process. I don't want the process. The process hurts. Ouch on the process. Lord, you see this word? Thank you, Jesus. That's the promise. And the Lord's all, yeah, I gave that word to you. Are you ready for the process? No, I want the promotion now. We need to understand process. Joseph understood it. He receives the promise when he's, what, 17? And now he's in the dungeon for 15 years. God chisels away, and he's ready for the promotion. And the promotion came like that. Are you guys all right? Great verse, Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. The next one. Almost done. The kingdom delegated authority principle. That's a long time. It's also the kingdom ambassador principle. All kingdoms establish a representative system that delegates responsibility to appointed citizens to serve as envoys or ambassadors of the kingdom or the state. Ambassadors personify and embody the king's authority and the kingdom or state. Ambassadors are the property and responsibility of the state and thus do not concern themselves with their own personal needs. The primary purpose is to represent the interest of their kingdom. Jesus says, I send you into the world as what? Ambassadors. Oh, I want you guys to get some. This this has really helped me through the years. Let me just continue with this. An ambassador speaks for the kingdom and does not represent himself or herself, only his kingdom. The ambassador is the kingdom's agency 
for conveying its will, desires, and purposes in the territory for which he or she is assigned. Oh, what does that mean? That means I represent the king. Now, if you understand a little bit of government, which we have a very intelligent community, for sure. When an ambassador leaves the United States and stations in Iran or Iran or any other nation, that plot of land is recognized as U.S. governmental property. So if there's an invasion into the territory that the embassy is sitting on, you are actually invading the very government that stationed it. An invasion on a U.S. embassy is just like an invasion going through New York City. An invasion of an embassy is actually declaring war on the government that actually sent it. When an ambassador is sent from one government, from the government to a specific region on another country of the earth, the ambassador never has to worry about supply. The food might be bad in this country. It might taste horrible. It might be infected with diseases, but he doesn't get his resource from there. He gets his resource from another government, his government. Does he ever have to worry about food, water, shelter? No, because he's working as an ambassador from a kingdom that he was sent from. What's his responsibility? Represent the kingdom. Well, what about my opinion? So what? Your job as an ambassador is to represent the kingdom. Well, what if I don't have a good answer to the this need that's coming or the question that's being asked? So what? All you have to say is, my government says, this is what my government says. I really don't even have an opinion. So when someone asks you about moral issues, you don't, some, you don't have to, if you want to be nice and try and reason with them, that's fine. But if you get stuck, all you have to say is that my government says, that'll get their attention. My government says from another realm, from another kingdom, my government says this. And that's all, you're ha- that's all you have to be responsible for. Second Corinthians chapter five, and he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. What's the appeal? This is what the kingdom says. It takes the pressure off. 
You guys aren't convinced. I don't have to justify anything. Now, I want to love people. I want, to, I want to be able to provide solutions. But when it comes right down to it, my voice is this. It's the word. It's what Jesus said. Jesus says, look, I only did what I saw my father do. I only did what was seen in heaven, and I released it on earth. When we function as ambassadors, all of our supply is met in Christ Jesus. You are carrying the kingdom. Everywhere you go, the place where you work, the school where you teach, the neighborhood where you live, you carry and embody the kingdom of God as ambassadors. You bring the government with you wherever you go. You have been given not only responsibility, but authority as ambassadors. An ambassador embodies the government and has authority to act. Oh, I don't know about you guys, but that's liberating for me. Say, I'm Christ's ambassador. You know, and that's just not an old, cute, AG song, you know. There used to be this old song, I am Christ's ambassadors, you know. I don't even know the melody because I wasn't raised in the church, but Wendy does. It's more than that. Ambassador is a very high-ranking position in the government. And you are. You're Christ's ambassadors. You're ambassadors of the kingdom. I mean, you guys got to get, listen, not are you sons and daughters. I mean, not only are you like joint heirs, carrying the inheritance purchased by Jesus as the elder brother, as royalty, that you're also ambassadors. I mean, you have all of heaven in you, and you have the authority to move as an ambassador in the realm of sphere, or the sphere that God's given you. The problem is, is that we don't recognize our authority. And our authority is not to lord it over people, it's to love and serve them well. And sometimes we don't know what to do, but we sure can pray. And we can go into our communities and say, we can go into our workplaces and establish your kingdom here. Why? Because you are an ambassador sent from heaven to earth. Though you're, though you're on earth, you're seated in heavenly places and you're sent and you're carrying the weight of the authority of the kingdom with you and within you. See, the enemy doesn't want you to know who you are. Oh, you guys. Number, whatever the next one is, I got, go, I got three minutes. The, the kingdom principle of glory. The glory of the king is everything that the kingdom, in the kingdom that represents the glory of the king is everything in the kingdom that represents and manifests the true nature of the king himself. 
The glory literally means the true essence or full weight. I like what, I can't remember the author defined it, very popular dude, but it's the public display of God's beauty and his glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. For this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. The kingdom principle of worship. The worship of a king is the expression of the citizen's gratitude and appreciation to the king for the favor privileges and security of being in his kingdom. Worship is also an indication of the perceived worth that the king is to the citizen. Worship always involves the offering of gifts to the king, indicating the citizen's awareness that all things that he enjoys are at the pleasure of the king and the acknowledgement that it all belongs to the king. Worship also expresses one's dependency on the king, which activates the king's obligation to care for its citizens who proclaim his name as their king. Wow. I mean, that begs a major question. And I'm not even going to address it right now. Is God obligated? Ooh. I think love compels him. That's why I don't sense he's obligated. I gave the answer, sorry. (laughs) Worship the Lord your God and his blessings will be on your food and your water, Ezekiel 23, or Exodus 23, excuse me. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God, Exodus 34, 14. And Jesus said this to the enemy, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord, your God, and serve him only, Matthew 4, 10. Do you have time for three more? The kingdom principle of provision. In all true kingdoms, the king is obligated to provide for his citizens and thus he makes provision at his own expense for their security and their welfare. Psalm 37, 25-26. As a young man and now I'm old. That's the word I'm reading. I'm not making any declaration right there. (laughs) Here we go. I'm going to read to you out of Psalm 37. I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Why? He's a good king. And the function of a good king provision for his citizens. Not only his citizens, but his children. Oh my goodness. We said this before, we'll say it again. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? 
or what shall we wear? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be given. Quit working so hard. Let's understand the kingdom. Let's pray from a place of revelation. Oh. I know I say that a lot. I'm making that sound a lot. Oh, today. It's 22. I mean, number 22. Number whatever number it is now. Because there are some I didn't even share. The kingdom principle of influence. All kingdoms are committed to making the influence of the king and his will felt through the entire kingdom. All kingdoms are committed to making the influence of the king and his, uh, and his will felt throughout the entire kingdom. Matthew 13, 33, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour and it worked through the whole dough. You see, once you understand kingdom, then you begin to read the gospels again with a, a little bit more revelation. So when Jesus says, in the kingdom of God is like, you just don't kind of go, oh, okay, what's the next line? It's, no, the kingdom of God is like this kingdom. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Influence. This is what Ecclesia is all about, influence. Ecclesia is about bringing a kingdom through the gates. Ecclesia is more than a, we've reduced it. We've reduced it. Church gathering, Sunday morning, which I love it. I'm glad you're all here. This is the family of Ecclesia gathering. Woohoo! Yay! Love it. This is where we get, this is kind of, we get, we get refueled. We see other soldiers, citizens in the kingdom. We're like, we're shaking each other's hands. We should not be each other's critic. We should be supportive. We should be encouraging. When we leave the building, we're, we're now walking out the doors as his ambassadors, taking territory, representing the king well. Wow. Two more. The kingdom principle of influence. Did I say that? Oh, one more. One more? Oh, three more. Oh, gosh, stay with me. I'm gonna, I'll just read it. The kingdom principle of, because you're going want, to want these. The kingdom principle of royal favor. How many of you guys want favor? If you didn't raise your hand up, I'll pray for you. You want everyone. It's like, how many people want the blessings of God? Every hand should be up here. Why? Because it, it reflects the nature of our king. And we're blessed. Royal favor is the sovereign prerogative of the king to extend a personal law to a citizen that positions that citizen to receive special privileges and advantages that are personally protected by the king himself. 
I mean, let that be a foundation when you study favor in the Bible. Royal favor is the sovereign prerogative of the king to extend a personal law to a citizen that positions that citizen. You can even put your name there. In fact, I think you should. That positions that citizen, enter name, to receive special privileges and advantages that are personally protected by the king. Oh, no one can touch it. They might want to try and squash it, but only God just takes everything and works it out for good anyway. So they tried to kill Joseph. That ain't going to happen. I mean, think about the favor that was on Old Testament and New Testament. Couldn't shut them down. You guys all right? Exodus 33, 19. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord. Lord is what? Owner. Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. The next one. I got two more. The kingdom principle of reputation. The king's reputation is important to the king and the source of the glory of his name. A king's reputation is created and sustained by the conditions of his citizens and his kingdom. Isaiah, First uh, Samuel twelve twenty two. For the sake of your great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you, uh, make you His own. Second Samuel seven twenty one. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing, and have made known that you've made known to your servant. For the sake of your name, that's the phrase. For the sake of your name. What does that mean? That means the Lord, the, the timing of the Lord, I'm just going to speak to people that are they're running into some conflict with some of this. Because we're trying to, we're looking, we're hearing it, and we're trying to figure it out. You know, and I, I think the, the Lord loves well, and if, we're, and if we're living well, we're living in a place of righteousness. In other words, oh, I won't even go there. Number last one. Because I looked at the clock and I'm not going to go there. The kingdom principle of giving to a king. Giving to a king activates the king's obligation to demonstrate his glory and his power to the giver. And to prove that he is a greater king than all other kings. Giving to a king in his kingdom is the acknowledgement that all things belong to the king and the citizen is grateful. Because giving to a king is impossible since all things already belong to the king, the act of giving benefits the citizen more than the king. Thus, one should never come before a king empty-handed. 
And I'm, in studying, you know, I'm taking ecclesia a lot further than I, I've kind of shared here. But one of the things, one of the targets of ecclesia is poverty. And if you took, if you took the word evil and you broke it down into Greek, I first heard this from uh, actually Bill, but I double-checked Bill. <laughs> Seriously double-checked him. Because I always do. I want to know, I want the revelation for myself. Right. So I looked up the word evil. I remember, he, I thought, he, I thought he, he was first saying sin, but it was actually the word evil. Three words. If you go down the root, root, root of this, root of that. Sin, sickness, and poverty. Jesus says, our Father, and he ends, towards the end, deliver us from evil, or the evil one, the root of that. What's he saying? See, one of the targets of ecclesia, God's government, is to destroy poverty. And we have moral poverty, we have spiritual poverty, we have material poverty, we have a breakdown in our nation, and among God's people. And we're talking about even getting to first base. You know, someone said that, that giving is the first rung of a ladder. If we can't even get to the giving part, then how are we going to get to the healing part? Because if God can't trust us with natural riches, how can he trust us with true riches? But if we have a, if we have a poverty, welfare, victim mentality, it's going to be hard for us to reach into our pocket and give. Because we're not living with a kingdom perspective. We're living from a other, something different, a broken government's perspective, a poverty mentality. All the resources are in heaven. You are an ambassador. You're a child of God. Don't worry. Oh, I don't want to go here, but I am for one second because this will probably be something we do in the summer. If we're going to be a solution, if we're crying out for a revival, and we're crying out for a transformation, but the body's broken and impoverished, how can we fix our, how can we fix our, this the social part of our, of our cities, how can we compete? How can we, that's a terrible word. How can we be an influence and bring solutions to a city that's under the spirit of poverty when the church is? And this has been my journey. It's like, how do we break this without tipping into the prosperity message? The, I mean, the hyper-prosperity message is what I'm trying to say. And I think there's a solution here in, I mean, we've been on this journey for a year now, at least two, about ecclesia, and this is Greg's thing, this is not, this is kingdom thing. Because Jesus declared it at the gates of Hades as a king. So a king is standing before his subjects 
who don't know it yet. And he says, that's where I want you to go. But we have to understand this principle of giving. It's all his anyway. Isn't it? Oh, I don't, I don't say that as often as I should. I use the word my a lot. Or our. And if I could just change my language. Like, it's not my bank account. It's his. It's not my car. It's his. It's not my house. It's his. Just right there is Revelation. But if we don't understand a kingdom, if we don't understand an ambassador mentality, because the building that the ambassador lives in is not his. It's the government that sent him. And as a citizen, everything that a kingdom is, everything I have is the king's anyway. So I'm just giving back what he already has. But in return, I get favor and privilege and a sense of he's given me back something pleases the king. Remember when Jesus said, I healed all these people and I only had one person come back and say thank you? See, the king wants to give. Oh, man. You guys catching the king's heart? That's what I'm trying to say. But if we don't understand kingdom, if we don't understand the kingdom reality, then we're not going to understand the principles of the kingdom so we can say, yes, here, I'm giving to you, and this is what I feel is going to come back to me. The scripture says, cast your bread upon the water, and it will return. When are we going to start believing it? I mean, really, when are we going to start? I'm going to start preaching again. When are we going to start believing it? Come on. He's taken us from glory to. So, for me, I'll just, I'll just put it in my, I'll just put it in my, my words. I'm pointing it at me. Either he's a, he's a good king or he's an unjust king. And that becomes my responsibility. If I can trust him with my eternity, why can't I trust him in the here and now? Doesn't make sense. I'm talking about being a solution. I'm talking about not just hearing a good sermon. I'm talking about the, the fight for marriage, the fight for morality in our schools, the, these things that we need to be a solution towards and we need to, we need to rally around. It's more than just the cause, but it's, it's living in this reality. I'm pointing to my screens. You can look at yours. His kingdom is over the earth. I don't even know how to end this meeting. Stand. Thank you for enduring. I went way longer than I said I would. What you guys are knowing is every day I should repent.
Every Sunday I should repent. Lord, sorry. You are his ambassador. You are citizens of heaven. He has chosen you. Say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. That makes you special. It doesn't make you arrogant. It makes you thankful. All that I have is his, including my life. The scripture says you've been bought with a price that he paid for you. The king of his kingdom left heaven, emptied himself, took on flesh, and he went to a cross as a king. So you can be joint heirs with Jesus. What has he, what has he not done? So Lord, I pray that you would release a revelation that I can't even bring. Can't deposit. I could teach it. But Holy Spirit, it's only you that can bring revelation to the heart. And I see in front of me sons and daughters of a king who stand in a place of royalty. And we are to have dominion and to advance a kingdom on earth. Teach us how to do that. Teach us how to do that. That's okay to be honest. It's okay to say, I don't get it. <laughs> no. Lord, open this up to me. I need help to understand this. How does this affect my Monday? How does this affect when I pay my bills? How does this affect when I raise my family and my children? Oh, Dads, we represent a father who's a king. How are you raising your children? With intimidation or love? Are you empowering them and putting wings on them? Get into the sword. Are we wrapped with our own insecurities? God, help us. Give us perspective on how to live from heaven to earth. From a heavenly kingdom to an earthly realm. So just take your hands and just say, I re just open it up like this and just say, I just want to, I just receive all that you have for me. I just receive all that you have for me. So teach me how to live from a kingdom reality. You know, Jesus made this incredible statement. He says, the kingdom of God is in you. Just think about that for a moment. What in the blazes does that mean? But it's true. The kingdom of God is in you. That means that you carry the seeds of a kingdom. They just, it just has to be watered. It has to be practiced. So Lord, Holy Spirit, water the seeds. Let them take root. Let it cultivate in my heart. Deal with my insecurities, my fears, my past. God, renew my mind. Help me to be aware during my day of a kingdom that never had a beginning and will never have an end. An, an eternal kingdom. God, give me revelation on that reality of right here inside of me. What does it mean for the kingdom of God to dwell in me? 
Oh, we want to live from heaven to earth. We want to live from a reality that's eternal into more carnal, fleshly, temporal reality. We want to bring light. We want to be yeast. We want to bring influence. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it in me. Do it in us. Do it as our family. Do it in the spiritual family. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.